Okay, so I think we're ready. Hi everyone, welcome back to the little podcast called So Processing as we're doing in this Unseen Realm series. Mike's uh, back. Yeah, Mike's back. Hello. We don't know how long this series, this like So Processing thing will last, but here we are again. Um, so still processing from uh, the last few weeks, we have had a few questions, a lot of several questions come in from the, just the, like even just the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then this last Sunday, um, we had Pete Hughes with us, David Bennett, and then I, I, I taught on Sunday. And uh, it was funny because I was trying to be really clear. I feel like Alpha, uh, doing Alpha, we've been mm-hmm. doing Alpha now, mm-hmm. is kind of changing the way, slowly mm-hmm. has been changing mm-hmm. the way I even approach preaching because I, um, I have a, more of a context of people that mm-hmm. are like, they've never really they have been no around. Idea. They have no idea. Yeah. So I'm, and I'm, when we're doing Unseen Realm stuff, it's like, it's like advanced stuff where it's challenging the Christians. But if yeah. you're not a Christian, you're like, what are you saying? You know, that sort of yeah. thing. Yep. So I tried to be really clear this Sunday and people, I think they appreciated just being clear. And I was trying to be really clear. Like, <laughs> this is not even going to be that like, you know, creative. It's just going to be really clear, you know? So anyways, <laughs> we did that this this week and we talked about a bit about um, the three enemies. And I think the first thing that we're still processing is this... Um, the, the the C.S. Lewis quote that I used the very beginning of the uh, of the sermon it was about it is from an essay he wrote called "Is Theology Poetry," and he talks about how um, how Christianity kind of encompasses every kind of worldview. And we've been mm-hmm. talking about this because we've been trying to put our finger on this thing for a while. And C.S. Lewis, of course, said it many many years ago. But let me read you this quote. He talks about how he says, "This is how I distinguish dreaming and waking." Um, when I'm awake, I can, in some degree, account for and study my dream. The dragon that pursued me last night can be f- uh, fitted into my waking world. I know that there's such things as dreams. I know that I eat an indigestible dinner. I know that a man in my reading might be expected to dream of dragons. Obviously, he's like, <laughs> that all checks out. Like, you know, um, I dreamt. I know I have dreams, and I know what I ate, and um, and I and I read about dragons. So of course, they're going to show up in my dreams. But while in the nightmare, I could not have fitted in my waking experience. The waking world is judged more real because it can thus contain the dreaming world. And the dreaming world is judged less real because it cannot contain the waking one. For the same reason, I am certain that in passing from the scientific point of view to the theological, I have passed from dream to waking. Just mm. such a good, mm. he uh, said like only he can. Christian theology can fit in science, art, morality, and sub-Christian religions. The scientific point of view cannot fit in any of these things, not even science itself. Um, and he, he kind of explains that in his essay, mm-hmm. what he means by science itself. Um, and then he there's and then it ends with the very famous quote that everyone knows, right? I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only mm-hmm. because I see it, but because, um, because by it, the sun, I see everything else. Mm-hmm. So that quote was probably putting his finger, he put his finger on something that we've been trying to say for a while, um, which is, Christianity can encompass. Remember that, Mike, you were talking about like the different levels of... I have two pontificating philosophical <laughs> things that I hope gain some yeah. help, some clarity in thinking. Uh, my, my philosophy professor in seminary is one of my favorite professors and uh, classes I just enjoyed the most was yeah. epistemology. So yeah. you go to seminary to study church history, systematic theology, and the Bible, and then all my electives were sort of picked on these more philosophical mm-hmm. uh 
projects and, yeah. and classes. And I loved her work. I think at the time, Nancy Murphy was working on the theology of the soul and she worked for the Pope. Or she was on some some group of theologians from across oh. denominations that uh, were doing stuff for the Pope. I think that was Pope Ratzinger or whatever his more Benedict. I think it was, <laughs> that was his Pope name. So anyways, that's the background of my personal experience. And I remember in working with her and in those classes, she would say, hey, remember when Christianity was at odds with science? And, and in the modern age, mm -hmm. the main debates were, does Christianity stand up under the claims of science? Um, and you know, basically the given, the assumed truth of the world was the scientific method. The problem with having that be the foundational truth of your life, the scientific method, that's when people mm -hmm. say like, I'm not really a religious person, I'm just more of a rational person, or I just believe in science. Mm -hmm. Of course, the problem is that belief system is self-defeating mm -hmm. on some level, mm -hmm. because you can't prove the scientific method with the scientific method. Which is C.S. Mm -hmm. Lewis's thing. Yeah, so yeah. you're taking that as a step of faith. Mm -hmm. And so already you have to at least humble your epistemology, your mm -hmm. worldview building, by saying, I'm a scientific person, and my most foundational belief is a step of faith to say, this is the main way of looking at the world. Mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis uses the illustration of like, I think it's C.S. Lewis, uh, lamp light at night that shines light right below the lamp, or the, the, the street mm -hmm. lamp, helps you to find things underneath the street lamp. But that's not to say that there aren't things outside of the, the light that's cast by a street lamp. I think, I think the issue, yeah. if I remember the claim from C.S. Lewis is like, if I'm coming from the pub and walking home, and I drop my keys, and I'm having a hard time finding my keys. Am I therefore saying my keys can only ever exist in the light that is cast underneath mm. these streetlights? Mm -hmm. And of course, that would be a stupid thing to believe. And in the same way, uh, are you saying that nothing can exist outside of the scientific method? Mm -hmm. So it's self-defeating, and it sort of doesn't explain the whole world. Okay. C.S. Lewis mm -hmm. is saying, isn't it the case that the Christian worldview explains the whole world? Yeah. And therefore has a strength in, its, mm -hmm. in the thought system. And not only mm -hmm. does it explain the whole world, but it gives you a framework that's big enough to where all the other things can fit into the world of, of this. So, um, so everything from sociology to physics to uh, anthropology, all of it kind of fit inside a Christian worldview. They, and if you try fits. to only use one type of explanation of the whole world, you end up oversimplifying and over reducing everything. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you start to say every phenomenon in the world, every conflict, mm -hmm. every social trend, it's all just sociology mm -hmm. yeah. or it's all just brain chemistry or it's all just yeah, uh, totally. personal psychology. Like yeah. Freud, everyone, when everyone loved Freud, everything was just about latent childhood guilt as the explanation yeah. for everything. <laughs> yeah. But you you end up trying to fit too much into one. And uh, it, it collapses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it kind of collapses. Yeah. Yeah, that, which is what I, yeah, I really appreciated that uh, insight because I think when when people have and they they build out a Christian worldview, there's and this is this is my whole thing with like when I I kind of joke, but I'm not joking on like ancient alien stuff, like not joking. Christian, yeah, yeah. Bigfoot, <laughs> yeah. like whatever it is, the thing is, yeah, there is a this can fit inside of this, you know, mm -hmm. all of this stuff sure. can fit inside of a Christian yeah. um, worldview. It all can fit. Even mythology can fit into this worldview. Mm -hmm. And that's, the, I think that's one of the strengths of Christianity. It, it can fit. And it, and it, it lines up to reality more than um, kind of any other system of belief does. It lines up to human propensity and evil and all of this stuff and, and beauty. And when people construct their personal beliefs, hmm. they need to be thinking, what's the best school of thought? What's the best research program is what, is what philosophers call it. Yeah. Lakatos mm -hmm. is a guy, I think I pioneered this idea that it's not just 
a foundation. Your, your belief should not just be a foundation with the scientific method at the most at mm -hmm. the foundation. It should be competing different schools of thought. And each of those schools of thought have like core beliefs. And then the hope is that if it's an accurate belief system, it should explain everything that we see in evidence. It, it should explain every, all these different phenomena that happen in the world. And the question is, what's the best competing worldview belief? Yeah. Whereas I think it, what it used to be science is the only way that anyone should ever think. And now it's like you've got your crystal people. <laughs> you've got your yeah. uh, every religion is the same thing people. You've got your sort of sociopolitical you know, person that says this is what's going to save the world. And it's just a matter of like, what's, what's the thing that explains the, explains the world? Yeah. Yeah. I think that journey, the stuff I'm still processing is what you guys laid out of like it. So it will all fit into theology or can fit in, but also the process of why should we even care about that? <laughs> like, I'm like, why should we even care about what one is like, you say competing, which I'm like, Oh, what do you mean by competing? But for me, it's like journeying to discover like which one actually fits the best when we're talking about Jesus, like and the kingdom of God and the series. And it also helps add color that I'm processing through like the stuff that I can't rationalize. So like the things that you talked about, which is like the materialistic kind of point of view, where we're trying to explain everything through science and makes me think, why do I actually want to rationalize everything? Why is it that I feel like my first go-to response in reason for things is to actually think and rely on science first? So that's like my own journey. Well, of you would say science, when you say yeah. science, you probably mean a naturalistic explanation naturalistic, over yes. a immaterial explanation. Correct. Yeah, okay. I don't naturally go be like, it's like demons, it's the <laughs> Nephilim, it's like evil. You know, it's more like in my in the world and the context of where we live it's like very natural yeah, yeah for me to think the scientific method why yeah. not and so i think the journey of faith though is when you experience things that don't align with that that cause some sort of dissonance for me it's been like with that dissonance what i do is to say i want to figure out what that is like i don't want to just accept that and i also don't want to just accept what people tell me i actually need to like go on my own journey of discovery for that. And I think a lot of people, I think even through Alpha, it like discovering stuff of like, there are people who have no context for this. So Dave, I love how you were like very clear. I feel like it was so funny listening to people being like, this is the best sermon you've ever preached. I was like, and you I, mean clear. You mean the clearest. You mean sermon. it was just clear yeah. in the last five weeks. When I was like, this is what sin is. I think sometimes it's just a good reminder in the context of when we're talking about something like the unseen realm. There is room, and I feel like an invitation to expand imagination for the way that the world works. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And the way that Jesus works, which well, I think, I, yes, yes. I think, you know, the um, the scientific method is a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's yes. a beautiful, yeah. beautiful discovery, and, it, it's, and it's allowed us to explain so much about the world and harness the potential of uh, technology, the, yep. the earth, like uh, kind of yeah. our human potential. Mm -hmm. Um, the soft sciences helps us understand what's going on internally. All of this is so, so, so important. Yes. But when you make that the basis of your entire life, there's so much that doesn't fit into that. I think that's what it's like Francis Collins, uh, in the very first alpha video, he talks about how being a scientist and studying, um, the human uh, genome, the human genome, yeah. he goes, it all, oh, you, the, when he, I think he shared a story about when he was a doctor uh, bedside and um, of a dying patient, and a lady talked about um, what happens next. You know, what mm -hmm. what happens when you die, and mm -hmm. what all this stuff. And he's like, I don't, 
I don't know. I, I actually, that's not my study. I, I actually just study the your your, your genes. That's kind of what I study. Yeah. Like I study your blood. I study yeah. human genome. Like that's what I do. And then I let them on a quest. Like, oh, I have to actually leave this for a while, and then come under uh, a worldview that can actually hold still all of this stuff that I've given yeah. my life to, and a lot, exactly like C.S. Lewis did. Mm-hmm. And actually, C.S. Lewis was another huge influence in Francis Collins' life. So Francis Collins goes and and because of that becomes a Christian, and Christianity can fit in. Like, mm-hmm. oh, no, I don't have to leave all the science behind. It fits into this thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the metaphor that I have that I sort of felt before I was a Christian that led in part to me, like, having the barriers of unbelief broken and me saying, like, I think... Yeah, you a, didn't grow up in a Christian home, right? I didn't, mm-hmm. and I... Yeah, I just felt like the process of me becoming a Christian was like, I went to church and I was like, oh, this is cool and new and interesting and I have huh. questions. And then there yeah. were just, like, six major barriers, like, six major skeptical questions mm-hmm. that, like... One, this, the questions was like, oh my gosh, some of these like corny Christians are actually really smart and like have better answers than I thought. Corny Christians can't be smart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then I was, the yeah. second yeah. barrier was something yeah. like uh, about more societal stuff, mm. war and evil yeah. and that kind of stuff. And, and then, but to see like there were already books written about it. And yeah. I think in your youthfulness, sometimes in your cynicism, you think um, because I don't have the answer, therefore there's no answer. Yes. Like that, you yeah. have that pride around your mm-hmm. skepticism. Uh, anyway, so I had those barriers broken down. I became a Christian. Um, I, I'm, I'm forgetting why I, was, why I was telling you that though. Oh, it just, I, I didn't grow up in the church. Well, but I think the worldview can fit inside of Christianity. It doesn't mean you have to throw out like scientific method or rationality or mm-hmm. any of those. But when you're on a quest to find what the truth is, the levels of, of that. Yeah. You're looking at I me went very the, I went on a tangent, <laughs> yeah. but it seemed like it was yeah. a helpful one at the time. And now I'm forgetting. Outside of the fact that just, yeah, the, the, the epistemology part of it is mm. like you, mm-hmm. or well, that's the word for like the, your study of knowledge, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I think you, yeah, you find the Christian worldview is like, oh, this does fit the other things in. The other things mm-hmm. be, then for, therefore become enhanced. Like the study of personal psychology and biology and evolution. Yes. They yeah. become enhanced uh, when they're in yeah. their place. And you, but the, the top rank of that epistemology yes. is best fit to, for theology. Yeah. Yes. And then That's cosmology right. and evolutionary biology and brain chemistry and sociology yeah. and personal psychology and microbiology yeah. and nanotechnology, <laughs> yeah. whatever it is that goes all the way down from large to small. Yes. Like yeah. those, you go, oh, these all fit. Here was the metaphor. Oh, I realize now yes. what I was saying, which is that coming to faith for me was a bit like a puzzle. Mm. And this is kind of a corny metaphor, but like Jesus was like, like you, the can cool. you can be cool and corny. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I'm officially that I think these days. So like it was just a picture of Jesus, but I had the puzzle pieces. Like I knew I had a longing for justice and like something that would mm. make the world right. And that was like one part piece mm. of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And I knew I needed the, my belief system to match my desire for like a world that was orderly. Mm. Like I feel like yeah. the world's orderly. You look around, there's order to it. And then, and yet like, um, that the average scientific consensus doesn't really have a reason why there would be order in the yeah. world. It just observes the fact that it's there. So like, these are different puzzle pieces that were like beliefs that I felt like I had good reason to hold and I didn't know how they fit together. But I think that Christian belief as the top rank of th- that fits everything else in allowed the puzzle pieces that like, oh, here's how these oh, fit together. And now yeah. I kind of see the world as like, yeah. and then that was a picture of Jesus. Yeah. That's sort of like how I was thinking about <laughs> at the time. It, it all came it's together cool. and it was yeah. all those pictures were puzzles. For yes. Jesus' face. Yeah. yeah. Those those pieces of the puzzle were a picture of what was a poster of footprints in the sand. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. If you Stop. remember that. I do remember We remember that and we want to not remember that. I was with that. you the whole time. I was carrying you. That's what that's the line. Of oh, I thought that was the oh, you know what? I'm thinking of the starfish one. 
What? The starfish. Like, well, you poem. cut off a starfish. No, you pick a starfish. It... He's like, what's it going to matter? He's like, it matters to this one. He like throws all the starfish back into the sea. Oh, I don't remember I that. remember okay, something just... about this from being a Christian in the or late 90s. The Evangel Cube. <laughs> Do you remember the Evangel Cube? No, I, w- I didn't grow up in the church, so I don't know any of this stuff. Well, no. you're be glad. I like, yeah. Salty, <laughs> salty <laughs> the Bible book. I didn't watch yeah, Tales, Bible Man. I didn't yeah, that. No, no, I listened no. to Pantera when wow. I got saved. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, is that, are they Christian? No. 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 Okay. It's like, it's like Cowboys from Hell was, the, was their <laughs> okay. debut album, so no, I, I don't think so. What was it? Was <laughs> there like a Christian rock band with a P? You're thinking of Petra. No, Petra? you're thinking of like P.O.D. or like P-O-D. Project 86 or something like, like hardcore band. Well, you, look, keep like, going P. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you thought Pantera was Christian. I don't remember. Your face just got so happy. You're like, wait, are they? Pantera. I think <sighs> I know. Anyways, puzzle pieces. Pantera. To Jesus' face. Yeah, it was a corny metaphor, but I just that was the process of me coming to faith. Like, but oh, this, think, the world fits yeah. together with this Christian worldview better than I gave it credit. Yeah. And now I have a few of these, like, I know where to fit the other things in yeah. my life. And yeah. the things that were, like, intellectually uh, curious that I was yes. intellectually curious about. Yeah. I think yeah. okay. So I, the whole the, the whole reason why we bring this up, and I think this is why this is so important, is because I think there's a, a lot of uh, Christians that that hold the Christian worldview as something that is impenetrable. It, mm. You're not allowed to fit other things in it, and if you try to fit in evolution into this thing, the whole thing breaks. So it's, so it's Christianity pitted against everything. Mm. Christianity pitted against the soft mm-hmm. sciences, the hard sciences, all the stuff. So. Even when, like, I, I've been telling people uh, on Monday we had a day off, and so obviously pretty exhausted, so I'm laying on the couch after lunch and wanted to watch a documentary. And because I'm 45, I go to, like, a History Channel documentary. So I'm watching this, like, um, thing on Netflix, uh, like, unknown. It's, like, like um, humanoid, like, discovery of, of ancient humanoids. And, and Ash comes in later and watches it, too. She's like, was this like before or after Adam and Eve? Is this what I'm like? I don't know, but it fits. I know it fits. Uh-huh. Instead of a lot of people are like, oh, everything they're saying in this documentary is not true. It's not true because I don't see it in Genesis chapter one or two. And that 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 kind of defensive way of of yeah. seeing the world, um, your bubble will pop. I've seen people walk away from the faith very recently yeah. because they got a bit of information that that like, oh, I was taught it doesn't fit in here. But that is true, so they can't both be true, so I'm leaving Christianity. Like, yeah. oh, man, I feel so bad for you. You should read a lot more broad. Yeah. Because you, you just got to, like, like, let it hang there. And, like, I don't know how ancient humanoids that were burying their dead with rituals and tools fits into – they weren't homo sapiens. They were some other hominoid, whatever. Or what if they were alien? I have no idea what yeah. they were. They, they didn't say they were alien, but they look like they aliens. They look like aliens. <laughs> um, just saying, uh, ancient <laughs> aliens. And um, – so, but does it fit? Like, yeah, it'll fit. Just give it time. Like, it, it will fit. There's, mm-hmm. there's probably space. Like, I remember reading um, Harari's book, uh, *Sapiens*, and he opens up with all the humanoids and his whole thing. It's all the humanoids lived at the same time, and then one humanoid, *Homo sapien*, started developing imagination. Mm-hmm. And because they had imagination, they could dream of working together for a different world. And then that's how *Homo sapiens* became us, and everyone else died off. And I'm like reading that and going, yeah, maps, it still fits. It still completely fits. Like, wait, one of them gets a conscience, like the breath of life breathed in them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, I, I can still go there. Because mm-hmm. I don't think Genesis 1 and 2 are read like a, like Moses was there and like, oh, what's going on? Okay, I'm writing this down. Okay, oh, I've seen this. He's that's not, not the claim of the text. That's not the claim of the text. Yeah. So yeah. so I, I, that's the th- that's what I'm talking about. It, the, the, this was C.S. Lewis's thing, not our things. Yeah. Like it all, Christianity, um, the Christian theology Everything can fit in it uh, if it's true. 
it can fit in it. Mm-hmm. And you just have to figure out how it fits. Yeah, and there's a lot of things you might not ever know how they fit. They're and that's true. okay yeah. because I yes. think what most Christians who are like Western Christians, modernists, like shaped by the modernistic yep. age, where, like rationality age, mm-hmm. you, ha- you feel like if, you, if God's real, then I'll never feel cognitive dissonance or wonder about something. Yeah. And, but of course, mm-hmm. that's like an unrealistic mm-hmm. expectation. And I think they also forget that even people who are not Christians yet or are like adamantly non-Christian, yeah. uh, if they're intellectually curious, they will be just like anyone and say, I don't know how these things fit. fit and that's together. like a part of human life. Yeah. But some people feel like Christianity is going to remove that from their plate. But that yeah. is... You'd have to be God to know everything, yeah, and so totally. what, why why wouldn't it stand a reason that even if Christianity is true, that you're still going to have stuff that you don't know the answer to? That should be normal for us. Yeah. yeah. And, and but I think it's the Christians that feel like, yeah, th- those types of Christians that feel like I'm just gonna I'm one page of a book away from losing my faith because what if I learn something that just rocks huh. my whole thing? Yes. And it's like yes. yeah, that's because that's you crazy. probably aren't convinced of the foundational reasons to be a Christian in the first place. Yeah. Or you've made too much of an argument about one part of it. Like, like that could help you. Yeah. Yeah. But the deconstructed Christian mm. oftentimes is the fundamentalist Christian who has an overly simplified belief. So they went from overly simplified belief to overly simplified unbelief. Neither yeah. of them are very open or actually all that rational. Yeah. Is that like your intellectual, um, like when we were talking in your sermon on Sunday, was this like intellectual, it's not snobbery, but the subtlety mm-hmm. of the intellect. And the way that this could play out was thinking that one view is like more, not rational, but just like higher above, like looking at it as this is the main one and this is like the supreme one kind of. In, in what in what sense? Like, like in the, you were talking about how, like in the unseen realm, there are powers that are like, that happen subtly in our life that can be morphed into being used to confuse people. And mm-hmm. one of them was like the intellect. This is the first Timothy passage. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Would this be something like how you have to use it as like some that would put like maybe science above another worldview thinking everything has to be the way of yeah. this filter. This is the only way. Yeah. So I'm going to rationalize everything and use it as a way to either cause confusion or... Yeah, I guess I'm just still processing of like, what does that mean by like that intellectual subtlety? Yeah, and how I, that plays out. Like, yeah, I think th- there's. Well, this is actually something that we're also part two of this is still processing the whole like natural versus unseen phenomenon. Yes. You know, as which, an explanation for things that you've experienced in life. Exactly. Yeah. So yes. for what you're saying there, could someone just go like, oh, okay, so this person um, started believing that um, that. Uh, the Bible was written, you know, over such a long period of time that, yeah. you know, it was probably editors that just made this all fit. And so now I don't yeah. believe. And like, oh, that's a doctrine of demons. You have a demon, that sort of thing. And yeah. so you jump to the like unseen, because huh. that's First Timothy, mm-hmm. right? Like there's doctrines of demons and they lead people astray. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, I don't know. Like no one really knows, but it's a possibility that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. demonic... Um, Forces. I mean, there's probably another way to say it. Yeah. Could could lead people straight through ideas. Yeah. But not just on the individual level, on a society level. Yes. Oh, societal is the thing, though. Yeah. yeah if I, I mean, were, there's there's. Yes. Yeah. I feel like when you have a new idea that challenges you. Yeah. Uh, sometimes those ideas come in from the secular culture to re- refine the people of God. Right. Yeah. Like sometimes ideas mm-hmm. come from a secular place, and you go. Uh, this is helping Christians be more faithful because we were bigoted, closed-minded, wrong in this area. So sometimes those, like, I'll, I'll, I'll use the tr- traditional 
people groups of like sometimes from the secular liberal trends that happen in San Francisco, those mm -hmm. ideas confront the idolatry of the church. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, and around like, around marriage, um, around gender, around all that all stuff. All that stuff. Yeah. Idolatry. And it's a good thing, and that happens yes. in the Old Testament where God uses the people who are not Israel, not the people of God, to like do His purposes, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that happens with the LGBTQ community to some extent. Oh yeah, like mm -hmm. God has used that sub, that subculture to to help us be mm -hmm. a more inclusive, loving group, even if there's other challenges that aren't of the Lord, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, David Bennett talks a lot about that when we did our mm -hmm. our uh, lecture series. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you hear new ideas and you go, I wonder if that is one of those what's, what's first Timothy here? demonic ideas that are making mm -hmm. its way into the culture and then creeping into the church and then infecting us. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think both happen, of course, but there's an openness to both, but some of them are like from a secular place, but good for you. Yeah. And then some of them are from a from a, a different place. Yeah, yeah. a demonic place, <laughs> and like, they influence you in a way that you need to go, oh, I'm going to actually stand for like historic Christian belief here and mm -hmm. not adopt the idea of yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think, the, and I guess what I'm trying not to do is to draw a line between like, yeah. oh, that's demonic, and this is, it, I think what what is um, what is needed, James says, is wisdom and discernment to know what it is. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. sometimes you don't know what it is without discernment. So you just don't know. You just don't know if like what is happening there is like human uh, sin or the human propensity to um, to get things wrong mm. and and to keep getting things wrong and keep going further and further down this road of like, do you know lobotomies don't work? You know that sort of thing. Like, why yeah. did we do that? Why did yeah. we do that for so long? Mm -hmm. um, why did we do shock therapy? Why did we think that was a good idea? That sort of thing, right? We mm -hmm. did that. Like mm -hmm. in 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 medicine, that yeah. was a that was I think a, that it's was still a, a thing, but things uh, are going to come back. It is. <laughs> you can ask my wife. Okay, I want. Oh, I, I, I laughed about shock therapy, and then she was like, Don't, "Hold on, though, because oh really? Yada, yada. Yeah, but it's more higher tech than it used to be. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. They used to be like, just grab this battery. And, <laughs> yeah, lick this battery. <laughs> lick this battery, <laughs> and your depression will go away. And now it's. But there was all yeah. kinds of. There's all sorts of things that medicine did. And, and it became trend, uh, like a trend in the medical field that today we look back and go, yeah. why did we ever do that? Or bloodletting, yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I guess my point is that we don't know. There's certain things that get in that you just don't know. Where's this? Is mm -hmm. this hu just human sort of like this is the human propensity mm -hmm. to, 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 to error towards like destruction? Mm -hmm. Or is this like a demonic or both? Or mm -hmm. like like we talked about on Sunday, because it's mm -hmm. a commingling of but all. But to of know it. that it's possible to hear from Paul mm -hmm. to the church, you know, for you know, in, in First Timothy, to know there is a linkage between the intellectual ideas that creep into your life and then become these foundational things that help that you live by, mm. and demonic forces in the world. It not only makes sense that that would be what demons would do, what Satan would do, mm -hmm. but it is a great thing to be uh, wat watchful over, and. Um, and to know that the historic message of the gospel is a thing that will be attacked. I don't know what else words to use it to say. Like there is a there is a news, there is a fact pattern, there mm -hmm. is a thing that happened in human history that Jesus came and died on the cross, resurrected from the dead. That will always be the target mm -hmm. of demonic forces to get us off of that being the main thing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and onto yeah. sociopolitical stuff, or onto uh, people pleasing, onto feel goodism and moralistic therapeutic mm -hmm. deism, like. And Paul is saying, like, remember these historic things because this is what was passed on to you, and I and and that's the point of, of me writing the letters. That's Paul yeah. saying, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's talk. Uh, well, we just went. Oh, yeah. By the way, <laughs> let me just. I should. <laughs> yeah. 
quote my source. So remember, uh, mm-hmm. do you remember uh, Louis Perry, mm-hmm. um, the case against sexual re- revolution? revolution. Yep. And I said, when I quoted her book, her book just kind of went through kind of like all the circles that I know, because mm-hmm. it's such a really, really, really mm-hmm. scathing, amazing book against sexual mm-hmm. revolution, especially as it pertains to women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, you know, she's not, I said, she's not a Christian. She's a, what is it? Post, post-progressive. Post-progressive. Yeah. And, um, but she started a new little podcast. And in there, one of the first people that she interviews is um, the guy who used to do the unapologetic podcast. Yeah, Justin, British guy. Yeah, the British guy. Yeah. And she in there talks about how she basically almost have come, has come to faith by writing this book. And she talks about like, I think Christianity, she goes, I, I just have a hard time. I understand it from like an intellectual and I think yeah. it makes sense. And I think it's what people need to do, but I have a hard time believing it. There's a ton of these people. Yeah. 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 And she's like, but I'm, I'm pretty, she's basically she's like, saying I'm, I'm pretty close. I have know? heard more of the yeah. podcasts that I listen to that I will not name. I don't want to be judged by the <laughs> random like people I listen to. Joe Rogan. Like, <laughs> no, guys. I, I, yeah, I, I don't yeah. listen to Joe Rogan, but um, weirder than that. And uh, those, something is happening amongst those people that yeah. were like, I'm reevaluating a lot yeah. and yeah. I'm giving more, Christianity seems more plausible to me than ever. Yeah. And I heard this week one of them saying, like, I prayed to Jesus for the first time. Oh, wow. Why? Yeah, crazy. And there, there's a couple of the wow. people that we've talked about that I sort wow. of have followed on Instagram yeah. that are like, I went to church for the first time and cried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but so there's something yeah. happening. Crazy. Okay, but this yeah. also draws us into this uh, conversation. Yeah, this has got off the rails, by the way. So No, it's, I think it tracks. <laughs> Email Jess at <laughs> you can Kayla. You have editing privileges yet again yes. over any and all of the podcasts. Oh. But what we're trying, what we were trying to get to was this whole like uh, thing we talked about last week with yes. David. With like, but you weren't here. But this is one of your things that you want to talk about. Is like when you when you feel like um, you you're being choked out by a demon in the middle of the night. What if that's not a demon? What if that's just like. Sleep paralysis. Sleep I think it's the term people have used for it where yes. you, you just yeah. wake up and your brain's not ready to wake up yet and you feel like you're frozen in yes. place yeah. or something like that. Yeah, or yeah, you're yeah. falling or something and you're like, oh. Or the thought that like when you experience that, it may not be a demon oppressing you. It could be a variety of things. It could be or it couldn't be. So, yeah. yeah. And I think there are people on both extremes that yep. say like, of course, uh, it could never be anything that's just explained yeah. somewhere. Uh, or you have people who sort of hyper-spiritualize a lot of things. And yeah. and I think when I, David Bennett, I, it seemed to me to be a thing that maybe wasn't written into his notes because he was just sort of like moving from one point and then going, <laughs> while I was in Germany, I was attacked by a demon. Does Anyways, he next ever point. Notes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so he went through so quickly yeah. through it. And then you sort of explained, yeah. you backed up a little bit and said, I, I kind of had this weird experience too. A couple of times mm. they were at pivotal moments, very poignant insights and and uh, experiences in a way that in your start saying you know it felt to me to be something different than what I've experienced previously um, but yeah I guess I, I just when do you explain it with naturalistic normative naturalistic explanations and when mm-hmm. do you go I think that was something spiritual yeah that's I think that's yeah. a great question I, I would say that's the discernment piece because I think there are some people that when they try to read a little bit too much into it, they're like, oh my gosh, I was visited by a demon too. And I couldn't wake up from sleeping either. And you're like, well, you were just tired. You're yeah. Like, yeah. Your alarm went off yeah. four times. And yeah. um, it probably wasn't a demon. I, you know, and I don't even know if it was, I, I'm pretty convinced it was only because I just know, I know what it feels like to like not be able to sleep and wrestle. And I know when something feels a little bit more. It's like people that have a, 
um, I don't have this, but some people have like a spatial discernment of spirits and they walk into mm-hmm. a place like this place is super dark. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. I'm like walking in, like if it's designed well, I'm like, Psh, this place is awesome. If it's not designed well, I'm like, this place is dark, you know? Um, <laughs> so so I think it's lighting. more aesthetic. Yes, yeah, it's like it's lighting. It's like bad not lighting. Not a demon, it's just bad it's like, lighting. Or it's, it's, it's like not moody enough. Like, oh, you need a little bit. It's, it's all vibes. Um, I don't have that, but some people have that. They yeah. walk in and um, Kevin and Bethany have that. They, yeah. uh, Kevin and Bethany, who are um, Kevin's elder at the church, and um, and him, him and Bethany, they love to like go over people's houses who just got into a new house or bought a house and mm-hmm. just pray through it. Yeah. It was so, they did that on our house. It was so epic. They just were able to walk into a room and know what was kind of like what they were sensing in the room and just pray. It was pretty epic. It was pretty sick. Um, mm-hmm. And so people have that. So I think sometimes, you know, they're, they're, you can over-spiritualize things for sure. Mm-hmm. But the Bible's not a manual about how, how or what about that kind of stuff. Yes. And therefore you're sort of like just navigating it with as much wisdom and discernment and experience and openness as you can. Yeah. Is that the idea? Yeah, I think the idea is uh, it, not everything is only natural, not everything is only spiritual. I think it's just, um, it's a little bit, sometimes a little bit of both, and sometimes it's um, uh, sometimes it's clearly one or the other. Can I give you an example? Mm-hmm. So I was in worship the other day, and I thought about my brother-in-law. Brother-in-law? My, my wife's brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, what came to mind was so out of the blue that I left him a voice note and was like, hey, I was thinking about you and praying for you mm-hmm. during worship today at church. And... Uh, and so what came to mind to me was when Han Solo came out of the carbonite. <laughs> Do you remember this clip? Oh, this yeah. yeah. So he's frozen yeah. in carbonite. Yeah. And yeah. then like the old bad CGI was yeah. basically like, of like some yeah. light yeah. shot yeah. from his yeah. face. Yeah. Yeah. The p- camera pans away, comes back, and it's Han Solo or, or yeah. you know, um, whatever the actor's name is, Harrison Ford, yeah. just standing there, you know, yeah. not in carbonite. Yeah. And that yeah. was the best CGI they had at the time. And uh, so anyways, I was like, hey, my, here's my prayer for you because of it. And this is random, but. It came to mind or whatever. That was so weird to me that yeah. I was like, you know, I'm going to call up my kind of nerdy okay. brother-in-law yeah. and go, yeah. maybe this is a blessing to you. But of course, did I I didn't call him and say, Have hey, dude, God told me go watch Star Wars because yeah. minute 17, you know, whatever. So, that, that, you know, it's stuff like that. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly, but it seems like know. God does stuff. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's that, the, um, the demonic the like supernatural phenomenon and the natural phenomenon. And there's probably a little bit of both in, mm-hmm. in a lot of things. But Pete said when Pete yeah. Hughes came, he was saying the concept of supernatural and natural is not a biblical concept. And I have felt yeah. like this for some time mm-hmm. that we think of the natural order of things and uh, God sometimes intervenes in it. And that's called supernatural, but God, you read the Colossians or whatever, Jesus created and yeah. sustains everything. Yeah. And so all of this is his world. And, um, he wants to like normalize. Yeah, but I also think too. some people unfairly beat up on the natural supernatural distinction like that. They uh-huh. can like, the Bible doesn't have any word for spirit or the Old Testament doesn't have a word for spiritual. It's all spiritual or whatever, you know? Uh-huh. And kind of like, I think they kind of beat up on that a little too much in that when we mean supernatural, we mean things that are beyond natural, observe and elaborate scientific method sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's probably a new category now because we have that category yeah. where they didn't have that category. Well, that's true too. Maybe it's another so word just for the unseen realm. Yeah, it's like, like, a, it's yeah. like a supernatural. You mean it's, it's, it's like uh, hmm. beyond natural explanation. Right. So like how do, you, how, do you, how do you test in some sort of laboratory that was a demon? 
it's like, well, the 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 room dropped thirty degrees. That's <laughs> yeah. how we yeah. know, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. So sure. I think that's what people mean. I, I know think what people some, mean. Yeah. I'm saying in a di- in, in a different frame of reference, uh, all of this mm-hmm. is perfectly natural for God to do, and it's mm-hmm. not uh, some. Uh, it's, it's, well, I think piecing was wasn't it, uh, extraordinary and ordinary. It could have been. I think his whole thing was uh-huh. like, "This is ordinary and this is extraordinary." Yeah. But I'm, I'm like trying to use Pete to make my for, point. Then I'm yeah. just making my point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, uh, okay, so we'll close with um, still processing this uh, thing. We 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 ended on Sunday with confession and mm-hmm. how importance of confession. And I made this like kind of this throwaway comment about how. Um, like as a pastor, you think I would hear people's confessions a lot, and I I don't in in our context that often in San Francisco, and my theory is well people have therapists for that you know mm-hmm. and I think people process a lot not that therapists are amazing they're they've mm-hmm. um, unlocked so much in my mm-hmm. own um, journey mm-hmm. of faith and and uh, mental health, and so not to take anything away from that but is there there's there a difference between what happens in therapy and what happens in confessional communities mm-hmm. like the church. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, it was a throwaway comment, but then people were like, well, what? what do you mean by Back that? that yeah. Up, you know? Yeah. I mean, I would say absolutely. I think while therapy is much, at least from my experience, something that maybe brings to light things that I do talk about, the aspect of confession in community is more about bringing it to light in a different way that you share the thing that's happening so it leads to repentance like it leads to something or an area of sin that helps me that I think God designed it that way God designed community for that for the church for that to be with fellow believers to do that and the power that's there is when you confess it but it's also an exchange of held both you're giving that and receiving love from your fellow brothers and sisters. And so I think it's way more powerful to do in community and also leads to a way of living with others in the way that God designed. And so I don't look at it as just saying something or talking about it. It's not verbalizing thoughts. It's like there's intent behind confession for Mm -hmm. that. So I think while we think that, I think there's another step there for people who might have assumed that therapy is just about confession and I'm like, I would encourage you to take it further to say, no, the power of confession, you'll experience the power of confession when it's in a community yeah. of fellow believers. So, yeah. 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 As I, mm-hmm. as I think about it, um, I think that confessing in a confessional community, first of all, when you're confessing in a confessional community, whether that's church to your, your um, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ or a leader or a pastor or mm-hmm. something like that. What's happening is you're you're bringing what you know to be sin mm-hmm. to light and confessing the sin mm-hmm. and um, looking for for that sin to go somewhere, mm-hmm. like to Jesus, obviously. Mm-hmm. And someone hearing that there's power in like confess your sin to one another and pray for each other; they may be healed. Um, I think in therapy, what happens um, from experience, what happens is when you tell people what you're going through, whether it is sin or not sin, they get they get, get to the root of it. Where in a confessional community, like you're forgiven, let me pray for you, and there could be power in that. There could be healing in that. There mm-hmm. can even be like a broken something broken off that that was like habitual. Mm-hmm. What therapy can do is like get underneath that. Like you're actually really what what do you think you're going for there in that in that mm-hmm. sin or whatever you want to call it? I don't know if they 
therapist would call it sin. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a therapist, by the way. Um, (laughs) Just to make that known. But from what I've done in therapy, they're like, what's going on underneath that? What's that? What's that thing underneath there? You know, you're confessing anger. Like, Mm -hmm. what's under your anger? I'm like, I don't know. Tell me, you tell me what's under my anger. (laughs) Usually it's fear. You know, they'll get to the fear. Like, hey, what's that fear? You know, like, and so then you get to the bottom of it and you can, you gain self-awareness, right? Um, And I think there's power in both. There's Mm -hmm. something about the power of when you confess your sin to people that you're in relationship with, they're able to, um, to hear your sin, say, I hear your sin. I, and Christ forgives you. Mm -hmm. And I want to pray for you. There's something that happens between your, your vulnerability and intimacy with that other person that Mm -hmm. is so powerful. Mm -hmm. So my confessional community, um, my, my, the person who, uh, who I do this with in my life, there's such a deep bond of intimacy there because of our confession to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and there's healing in that. And there's healing even knowing that the person, when I go into a situation where I'm, I'm going to be tempted to do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. ask me about it later. There's something there too about that. So there's power. I think there's power in that. And mm-hmm. therapy is something different. Yeah, mm-hmm. if I understand therapy correctly, uh, broadly, it's not supposed to be a judging atmosphere. It's not supposed to be like a judging or shaming atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a role for that to help you get to the bottom of stuff mm-hmm. that you want to tackle. Yeah. And, and it, I think that that therapy method for most clinical therapists is like putting that back on you to to do what you want to do, mm-hmm. knowing that somebody else can't motivate you to do that. Mm-hmm. Or a therapist is not supposed to motivate you to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's non-judging, non-shaming. I think a community of believers with confession is judging but not shaming mm-hmm. because they're saying like, we've helped you to judge this thing broken in you mm-hmm. or broken because mm-hmm. of you. And we're going to represent God's grace to you. But there's, but there's never shame. Or at least that's yeah. the idea that it shouldn't be shameful. Yeah. And, and I think even in therapy, because the stakes are somewhat low in therapy in terms of the ongoing relationship, sometimes mm-hmm. Uh, like this, you need to raise those stakes to really get over your your like binds of shame, mm-hmm. and I think that's what happens with confession. You you confess something that it, it's hard to do, mm-hmm. and there's a risk there, and those people need to represent God to you, and that's their commitment to you. But that's how those the, the like ties and bonds of shame are broken, because you're able to see people represent Christ to you and mm-hmm. and speak the good news about Jesus into your life in a way that. Otherwise, you're just isolated and alone and then employing someone to help you not feel judged. Mm-hmm. But, but there's only so far that a therapist relationship can go. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Still processing all this stuff. All the things today. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of stuff today. <laughs> a lot of stuff today. And then on top of yeah. that, you know, everything going on with Israel and Palestine. And yeah, I, I don't know what to say other than like still, still deeply processing. Well, it's worth saying yeah. that we have a pastoral framework within our team that is uh, pretty extensive. That gets feedback from different members of the team on how we can even respond publicly to it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to say anything about what's going on with it outside of just. I am sort of happy that there is a pretty lengthy process that we go through to dialogue about important, you know, wedge divisive, yeah. moral topics. issues. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That we yeah. are, you know, on the day we're recording this, we are in the middle of those dialogue mm-hmm. processes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And how to proceed with wisdom and love. Okay, there we go. If you have questions, comments, feedback, hello at realitysf.com. Disclaimer, we don't answer emails back, so don't ask a question that you're like, I need an answer for this. It's more of like a feedback loop for this podcast and our pastors and that sort of thing. So, um, And if you're mad at any one of us, go ahead and just email Jess. (laughs) 
She knows how to handle people's anger. I can do it. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, okay. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>